It's not overly confining them and rescuing them. There's that delicate balance, but instead teaching them not to shrink and using the strength you found in yourself to protect them, but then realign it into helping them not shrink to it. From the sunny palms of Los Angeles, this is Bully Buster, the podcast where Rhonda Orr speaks with guests battling the bully culture. Listen to real stories and find real solutions using Rhonda's Triangle of Triumph, going from victim to survivor to leader. Rhonda is an award-winning executive trainer, columnist, and speaker. She's also served as the founder of two nonprofits addressing child abuse and bullying. Now, here's Rhonda. Welcome back, moms. Today on Bully Buster, episode 13, I am lucky to have the founder and CEO of Power Zone Coaching, Renee Johnson. She's also a founder and former director of domestic violence for Shiro's United. You'll find out what that means today. Renee has authored books, magazine articles, and been a featured guest on CNN and elsewhere. As a certified and leading international speaker, her own story of courage has helped her influence thousands of people around the world. She invites you today to learn how to stay out of your comfort zone and become part of the civility solution. We're talking a lot about courage today, which is one of our five C's besides civility, confidence, creativity, and communication. I have to tell you, Renee is one courageous person. I can't wait for you to hear her story about necessary risk-taking. You'll laugh and cry with us as she encourages you to become a change factor in your own life. Welcome, Renee. I am so blessed to have you as our Bully Buster guest today. Thank you, Rhonda, for having me. It's just a pleasure, especially with the theme that you have. I'm excited to discuss this with you today. I'm excited about courage because one of our mottos for my organization, Bully Buster, is let's build civility for a new generation. I'm talking about one of our five C's is courage, and it goes along with civility, confidence, creativity, and communication. I always think about defining the word courage about taking action steps forward, even when you're filled with fear. For instance, when I was writing a column, it was called Dear Rhonda and Dr. Sherry, and Dr. Sherry L. McDonald is a a therapist in California. I'm in California now. We wrote, though, for the state's newspaper called Arizona Republic, and it was going along well for about four months. And four months into it, I received a scathing letter from one of the editors because I said in my column, well, if you believe in God, then you might want to try praying. And she said, we are not a proselyting newspaper and so on and so on, and we're going to have to go in a different direction now unless you want to send me a different column and take the word God out. And I thought, no, This is an opinion column. And so whatever you believe, which I always preface it with, I I don't go into politics and religion at length, but I do express my opinion. It's just my opinion. And so they kicked me out. And I had 10,000 readers. They bounced me out. Wow. But when you think about the word courage, 
First of all, how do you define courage? That's pretty much my life story. For me, it is about being able to summon your internal strength, your personal power for the greatness that you can ignite in yourself so that it can radiate and illuminate as you share that with others. Courage, just to simplify that, is to go inward and really claiming, taking that risk you need to do to really own your power. And even though we hear a lot of that out there, coaches and counselors and speakers and all this stuff, it it still is one of the main (laughs) nemesis out there that blocks people in their lives is to have the courage to claim what I call your power zone. And the impact that it has on your life is tremendous in every area. When we talk about summoning that courage, we're talking about self-trust. And self-trust requires us to believe in something that maybe we can't feel or see, just like, you know, source or God or whatever your your medium is, right? Exactly. That, exactly. It, it requires you to call upon that and and not shrink to whatever the pressure the situation is. And trust me, I call myself a cat. I've, I've had, let's see, a cat has nine lives. I've had seven of my nine <laughs> lives already. <laughs> but I'll be glad on my feet. <laughs> you know, I know the same feeling. So, you know, when we talk about my triangle of triumph, which is a part of my Bully Buster program, there are five C's that I just mentioned. And of course, one of them is courage. And what you're talking about is being able to define yourself with courage. And the problem I have with kids, they don't know how to define themselves. And second of all, moms who have to be the example. So how do moms show courage as an example? What do they need to do? You're a mom, right? Yeah, I'm a mom and I'm a grandma. Oh gosh, (laughs) that's great. Yes, yes, I definitely know this path. You know, summoning that courage I spoke about is something that being a single parent most of my life required quite a bit, various all kinds of situations, even life and death situations. Let's just talk about my life story for a second. Sure. Being able to impact your children's life through teaching them courage is a lifelong habit and behavior. I absolutely love what you said because it's defining yourself. It's a lifetime habit and behavior. And that is exactly what we need our kids to grow up with. It goes back to that self-trust and how we teach that to our kids is we demonstrate through our our honesty and our vulnerability. And we often want to protect our children if you're honest and vulnerable and you help them practice that in acknowledging how they're feeling in a safe place and championing them to be vulnerable. And you know, that also trickles forward into them becoming leaders in their life. I'm passionate about being a leader in your life and then ultimately leaders out in society and business. But that growth pattern of helping them learn that early on and have the courage to be honest and vulnerable starting there, okay, is going to impact their own well-being, the relationship they attract in their life, their career choices, the way they, I could go on and on. 
That's so perfect because I remember part of my life story, which I'm assuming might be a part of yours, and I'm anxious to hear it, but I went through my childhood through sexual abuse, physical abuse, bullying in schools because we moved like a hundred (laughs) times, those kinds of things. And one thing my parents did do, they were not overly involved in teaching me or protecting me. And so I became fiercely protective of my son. And in some ways, I almost didn't teach him courage as much as I should have because I wanted to protect him so much. I hear you. It's a delicate balance as a parent. Often when you're in that protective mode, you're being driven by emotions that are packed up with fear, right? And fear doesn't always, you know, let us see things logically. We, we, we interpret things, we assume things, we, we overly magnify the story and so forth. Doesn't mean there isn't real, because trust me, having been there and sounds like you too, it's not overly confining them and rescuing them. There's that delicate balance. But instead, teaching them not to shrink and using the strength you found in yourself to protect them, but then realign it into not uh, helping them not shrink to it, instead calling them up. I liken the term I've coined called calling up versus calling out, because calling up then goes back to that you know, reminding of your greatness and all things are possible if you get in touch with your greatness and that source that feeds you, right? I don't like that term, calling out. To me, it's like, well, let's just shame you. Calling out is not a part of civility. No, calling up. And that invites you to be part of the solution. That, and yeah. that gives you back no. the power. It challenges <laughs> challenge you. It stretches your comfort zone. And when we're in our comfort zone, there's absolutely zero risk-taking happening. Zero. There can't be. I, my book is called Leaving Your Comfort Zone. And I know this, teaching this now over 20 years in my, in my experiences. And so in order to... To find that courage, you've got to take necessary risk. And in order to do that, you've got to have that environment, whether it be yourself or someone else, that is calling you up, you know, and not overly protecting, not causing you to shrink, because then you can't develop those behaviors and those habits that we talked about before. I am a partner with Yavapai Big Brothers Big Sisters, and a lot of the girls come through less than fortunate existences. And what you're talking about is how do we get our kids to define themselves with courage first so that they can kind of forget themselves and do the things that matter the most, like focus on others and provide service. So how would you teach kids to define themselves with those positive changes that you're talking about? I'm a co-founder for Cheryl's United. And I ran the domestic violence pillar for uh, many, many years. Now I'm more in the advisory format. And one of the programs I developed in charges was to, you know, help these mothers become sheroes in their own lives so that they could help their children become sheroes. Can you explain what sheroes actually means? A shero is an individual who has gone through extreme trying times who has had to find that courage to rise up in their life so that they can be able to take care of themselves. They can make a difference in their life and the lives of others. And the three main pillars that we focused on was domestic violence, trafficking, all kinds of trafficking, and women warriors 
this is built out of the window of basically self-love and understanding that when we teach them how to come from a place of self-love and honor is when they can claim that courage and then they can actually become a change factor in their own life. And it's a redefining process of their identity because when we get into those situations and it can be a slow burn in that domestic violence, that's, that's my story as well, that we all of a sudden, you know, these we've gotten into a situation where it's entwined in all of our being, not realizing it, and it's become our identity with that. And so when we teach kids and moms how to define themselves in this is we've got to help them see themselves separate from the environment and the situation. Our identities, they serve us, they protect us, they they give us stability, even in an, an unhealthy environment, because it's what we know, it's what we've learned. But the challenge is we got to make sure that our identity doesn't talk us out of who we can become. Absolutely. And the way to do that is to learn how to see your environment your fears, see your see the thoughts and behaviors of others or yourself, but to not become them and start to step in to a new story for yourself, a new evolving and expression of yourself. And it's not an overnight process. I finally got to a place with my journey and I'm the power zone coach. It's an evolution. You, you get into, you know, uh, your power zone and then you start learning and growing, expressing more. And all of a sudden, boom, you bump into another comfort zone. And if you're lucky, you get to do that many times in your life so that you keep expanding. We are on the same page. I developed the Triangle of Triumph because of my journey. I kept finding myself as the victim. I didn't know how to get out of it. I didn't know there was actually a choice to not stay a victim. A lot of people don't understand that you don't have to stay there. And then what you're defining is the second part of the triangle, the survivor. And in that survivor stage, that's where you get to define yourself with those five values that I was talking about, civility, courage, confidence, creativity, your talent development, and your communication. We have such a problem with communication today, and I love getting out of your comfort zone because it's harder and harder for kids to get out of their comfort zone because now their comfort zone is hiding behind their phone. And they're even seeing their parents hiding behind their phones. So when you ask kids to go and report bullying, even though they know it's the right thing to do and they realize we cannot stop bullying if the kids won't report the bullies, and if they stand by and don't say anything, they think they're absolved somehow, but they are not. That goes back, I would say, to that identity. We cling so tight because that, especially if you're in a place where you are, you know, moving, you know, you're in a victim or a survivor and, and you cling to your identity, you don't want to rock that and you want to keep some source of security and safety and being vulnerable is not something you seek after in that position. And the next step from survivor is champion. And, and that does take an evolving. That's one area that I, I teach people to move from victim survivor to champion because that's when you truly belong to yourself. That takes a lot of bravery, especially for, for teens and, you know, their identities being formed then. Gosh, for even adults who, on social media, it's a cruel place, right? And you want to yes. look cool and you want to look whatever it is. And it, it is not, in certain circles, it's not favored vulnerability in others that are healthy. 
it is absolute favored and encouraged and seen as the greatest strength you could have. But you can't do that unless you are willing to stand on the shoulders of your past, your experiences, and know that that you're good, you're solid, you're perfect as you are, and your whole life journey is about continue to express and evolve. Not an arrival. You don't have to be in a place to be your champion of your life. You, that's a choice. It's a choice, but you have circumstances. Maybe you've gone through influences in your life that haven't shown you that choice. And sometimes you have to find that for yourself. But if you're lucky, you have organizations like the one you're involved in with Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and Cheryl's United and others that can give you a new perspective, right? I like your choice for the bottom part of the triangle is champion. And I put leader, but that's the kind of leader you need to be. Victim to survivor to leader. And survivor didn't mean anything to me until I realized that's the journey that's where you really define yourself. People would say, oh, you're such a survivor. And I would think, oh, I'm such an exister. Like I'm just <laughs> existing. You know? yeah. Like I'm not doing anything special. Yeah. <laughs> I was just being a people pleaser for most of my life and not willing to be vulnerable until I really was. But that comes from your story, it sounds like, because we learn through going through abuse as our youth and our adulthood to be a pleaser, to keep ourselves safe, to have some normalcy. And we don't learn about the power of belonging to ourselves and honoring ourselves. And, and so it keeps us seeking. Mm-hmm. It keeps us seeking for the unhealthy reinforcements of that. So how would you tell moms to teach their kids? Or how did you teach your daughters? Because I was a single mom, I understand. I chose all the wrong men. And, uh-huh. and Me too. Mm-hmm. I was already on this journey. I had two nonprofits. What would you tell them? One of the major situations in my life is being grown up in a in a home where what my father sexually and physically abused all of us. And then I married someone like that, okay? And it was, I went through the years of that and trying to create that civility and the relationship and the parenting and the home and trying to create normalcy. I eventually found the courage to leave that uh, domestic violent relationship. And as I did that, I had to move to a town under uh, police protection and being hidden, DA working with me. And I moved to a town where I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have a job. I didn't have any friends and I didn't have any family. And I took my two girls with me and they were about three and 11 roughly at the time. And through my example, you know, doing that, obviously, you know, they were at that point ready to lean in, you know, there's changes in growth that they have to go through and find themselves. And it's it's a tough battle when you go through all the court things and all the legal and trying to protect them and everything. I applaud you, Renee, for the courage you have to do that. I'm anxious to hear how you manage that because that's a hard story. It was rough because it was a lot of things that you can imagine that pull at you. And it's a rough situation. And in that time, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. And one of the situations was going to the dollar store and one evening and having the change, maybe a few dollars at the most in my purse and with my kids with me and we needed um, food. And I remember, you know, it's okay, mom. I remember crying. I remember trying to oh my gosh. figure out how we're going to do this and you know, continue that courage to take that leap out of the comfort zone. Because it was a comfort zone that I was in and I'll own that but I won't own the way that somebody treated me. 
I was able to demonstrate the courage, demonstrate the value of this as your question pertained to by getting creative and getting resourceful and using these qualities of strength, qualities of a champion. And I figured out that you could buy a box of pasta and a can of sauce and a can of corn and you got a meal. You could buy a can of refried <laughs> beans and tortillas and you got a breakfast and we made it another day. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm going to cry for you. That is, that is really <laughs> <Yeah>. sad. <laughs> no, but that, you know, we did it and we just kept on building upon that. And as the story went forth, you know, the DA through the process of the affidavits and the and uh, the records and hospital records and all of this. And you can see, I've got a video on my about page that talks, you know, about my personal story, but um, the, the DA said I was the worst case of domestic violence he ever saw at that time. I'm lucky to be alive. Oh my goodness. And so why I say that is this is like three years into this and making our way and trying to still stay in kind of secret. I hadn't made touch with my family yet, things like this being just trying to be very protective. And there was a lot, he was still trying to come after us. He was arrested several times. Okay, a lot, lot of things in that packed in that story. But for your question purpose in your audience listening here, is there came a day where after all of the affidavits and court records, uh, the DA had, had enough for four ironclad case, they told me, four felony charges. <gasps> My gosh. We're just waiting for the paperwork and tonight, keeping myself self and my children safe during this time. And I get a phone call from the DA who had been working very closely with me. And I really was leaning into, you know, their strength, right, during this time. And he said, um, I have some news for you. Are you sitting down? I'm like, no, okay. And he says, somebody forgot, someone forgot to cross a T and dot an I. And we missed the statute of limitations by 180 days. What? And I'm so sorry. There's nothing we can do for you. And he was, you know, very consoling and whatnot. So what happened was I got off the phone and I literally had an article that was published and featured on a magazine last year on the front cover about this called Accepting Your Calling. And What, what magazine was that? See Beyond. Okay. I'll, I'll send you a link okay, to it. Yeah, perfect. We put it up, put it up for we'll put that in the show um, notes. So... I fell to my knees. I mean, I, I was exhausted. You have to, I mean, I was exhausted. I was working three jobs. I was dealing with private attorneys to keep my kids safe besides the DA. Oh my gosh. It was exhausting. And I pretty much was ready to give up. And in that moment, something literally tangibly sourced, whatever you want to call God, pulled me to my feet. And I heard a voice say, this is not how it ends. And I took all of my energy that I put into this collectiveness of this three-year journey. It was just awful, crazy. And put it in to fight for my kids. And I put myself back to school on Lincoln Law School, learned enough to fire my attorneys, fire and submit all the court records. And pretty soon I found myself in the courtroom because if I couldn't get the four felony charges to put him where, he, you know, safely away from my kids and me. So he won't harm anyone else as horrifically as yes, he did you. and I was going to protect my kids. So I found myself in the courtroom and I was in there, me, myself and I, and his fancy attorney and him and the judge. And they were snickering and, you know, yeah, right. Like she's going to be able to do anything. Her three attorneys couldn't do anything. They said they couldn't because they didn't get the felony charges. And my kids were getting abused in their trips. And I was not going to let that happen anymore. And so I stood in front of the judge and I spoke like a mama bear. I'm coming at you. And guess what happened? I won. But (laughs) none of my attorneys said I could win. Yes, true story. And I walked out of the courtroom 
And this gentleman ran up to me and said, what law firm do you work for? And I'm like, I don't. But it sure feels good to be, you know, still represented. And what I did is I won the most strict ever protective where they had to meet at the courthouse with the supervisor for only 30 minutes. Well, of course, he never showed up. And it's unfortunate, you know, for my kids in some ways, because it, it, it affects them. That was a tough journey. The last, the next 18 years was rough on our relationship. But in that moment, I found the courage and my kids felt it as well. And we leaned in and we worked together and we, you know, grew together. And I remember being interviewed a few years ago. We had a, an affiliate of CNN come out and interview us for Cheryl's United. And the interviewer hearing that story said at that moment, you know, when the DA couldn't do anything for me, he stopped me and he said, well, what did it feel like that the DA didn't have the power to do anything? And you know what happened in that moment, in that very moment, I looked at him and I said out of nowhere, the DA never had the power. I always had the power. Holy cow. That is fantastic. That is an amazing story. I had a similar situation with the father of my child. And the third time that he beat me up in front of my child, once when I was pregnant, and I got a restraining order. And he said, I'm not going to give you a divorce until you lift that wife beating nonsense off of me. And I actually did that. So, so much power to you, because it is hard to tell your child that their father, because that's part of their identity. You as an example, though, you're making it so clear to women and moms, you can be anything. You can do anything. You can rise above any challenge. So I want to share this important message to mothers out there like yourself, Rhonda and me, that you can continue to grow and allow your children to grow through any hardships that they need to bullying because my children were bullied during this. I was bullied through all, all of these different things that went on and losing relationships and people not believing or people not wanting to believe and family turning their backs on us, all this stuff happened. And that takes a wear and tear. My oldest one was influenced quite a bit and the, the ex started doing secret things and started manipulating her. And it was basically coined as the Patty Hearst syndrome and kidnapped her at 16 years old. And at that point, I had to basically, and moms, you can like it or not, but this is true story. I, I had to take a choice because the oldest one was starting to take on the abuse on the little one to get the dad was telling her. And those are just things that are emotionally. That transmogrification. Yes, exactly. So it's not her fault. And so I had to let her go with supervision with a therapist at 16 so that my youngest wouldn't be abused. And that was, I tell you what, let me cheer up. It was probably one of the toughest decisions in my life because what it did is it created this split in our relationship that my oldest one allows me in and out. She, she's just, you know, there's times where she just, you know, you know, she went through cancer and she let me be there. She lets me be involved with her most precious possessions, her children. She, she lets me in, but there's times where she holds me like a broomstick away. And it's her coping mechanism because she didn't get the therapy, didn't get the, the help she needed to break down the abuse in her mindset in her that her, her father put in there. And she doesn't know, her, even her husband talked to me about it and said she has abandonment issues. So I have to be understanding that we text each other, we, we FaceTime the kids, I go out and have trips and all of that. But I've had face-to-face conversations with her that I want to be in your life. And she'll say, what do you mean? I said, emotionally. I went through this too. 
And we've all come out of this. You've told me when you're in your vulnerable times, how much you appreciate and that I'm the only one that's been there all the way through and that I was the only one, even though I'm the farthest away, to be there and take two weeks off to help you with your cancer and your kids and I'd do anything for you. But that's her protective mechanism where she comes in and out of letting me in. And I tell you what, that's the hardest thing because I love my kids. You know what I did. I fought for their life, for their safety, for their well-being. And the youngest one and I championed her, her life all the way, getting her through high school. She had issues with relationships. You know, I got her through, got her scholarship. I mean, worked my butt off because she had some issues that she had inherited medically from her dad. And it really created a lot of strain in our relationship. But we got through it. I tell you what, that was, that's probably one of the hardest things besides the domestic violence to get through. Eventually, we were on grid ground and life was going well for her. Got her own apartment and scholarship and all this. You know, she's had some life journeys since then. I'm open. I'm open to my uh, most important thing in my life is the relationships with my children. And that's why I fought so hard in doing that. I also had to learn how to belong to myself. These individuals that you work with, Rhonda, and that are supporting these littles and these big sisters and big brothers, they're not doing them any service if they aren't genuine in the way that they show up in people's lives. Would you agree? I agree so much. I I can't believe it because I left my ex-husband, the father of my son. And by the way, I prayed for him for five years. I had infertility issues. And I think it's much more important that you live the truth. In fact, I remember a few years ago, there was some incident that happened before she did the final cutoff of their relationship where she asked me, Mom, do you still have that box you have with all those court records? And I thought, I said, yeah, I'm like, well, yeah. And I, I just carried them around just in case they ever wanted to see. Because, you know, it strained our relationship. I'm not the abuser, but yet they always take it out on the one that is the safe one, the one they love, the one they trust. That's just how it is. And it sucks. It does. It, it sucks big time. It's so <laughs> I agree. painful. It's so, I could cry right now. It's so hurtful. It hurts so bad. But I carried around that box. has everything in there. And I was surprised that she remembered that. And out of the blue one day, I guess he was trying to reach out and she didn't want to put him on the wheel and things like this. And she called me up and she said, um, mom, do you still have that box that of all the abuse he did? I said, well, yeah, why? Because I want to make sure if something happens to us that you have proof that he can't get near the kids. And I was shocked. So it's like, I know they know what we went through. They saw it. They saw, they saw my face busted in. They tried to call police several times. They, they saw, they know, but it's, it's easier for them to just kind of be in the neutral ground so they can, you know, deal with what they can deal with. And that's just the psychology with kids go through abuse. And trust me, it's taken me a long time to come to a place where I can accept that because my whole heart and being loves my kids. And I want them to be able to feel that love. And it's hard when they open and close the door as often as they do. I admire you. You are a champion. You are out there still booing up so many people and you will do that for our listeners today. I even had my own nonprofit before I stopped choosing all the wrong men. And I have a fabulous husband now that the first one in my whole life that we've been married for six years before I finally got it. Oh, there's hope for me. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I haven't tried, I've just left that alone for a while. <laughs> I'm enjoying loving on myself the last, <laughs> yeah. By the way, Rod, I had another article published 
uh, about that, about my story of, of relationships. And I'm just constantly seeking that validation I didn't get as a child. And I, I openly put that in and it's out there too in another article and about that relationship of owning your story. And so I hear you. And I finally just said, okay, I haven't figured this out, but I need to figure it. And so I just took a break and spent many, many years, but I'm finding, you know, I'm enjoying the space I'm in and someday I'm going to, I'm going to have that opportunity, right? Yes. Uh, yes, you will. I believe in you. You know, I knew I was drawn to you for a very good reason and the good work that you are doing. I'm, I'm so thankful. Do you have a final message that you would like to relate? What would you like to say? Well, first of all, thank you for creating such a beautiful, energetic space that I could just be myself here with you. Having been on many, I mean, top, you know, in many podcasts, there's very few hosts that can create this type of space. So I commend you. And I know that's going to bring a lot of value to your listeners. And I would leave the thought about the influence of power that you truly have in your life and the life of others. And you must find that courage. You must find that courage. Your, your life journey is not going to be its full, beautiful essence and just energetically wholeness and expression if you don't take the time to embrace the courage and use that to take necessary risks to claim your voice and your value to make a difference in, the, in your life and the life you lead and influence. It is a decision. And it doesn't happen by one single bound. No big step is in one single bound. It, it takes the steps that you start to change the lifelong habit and behaviors and stop beating yourself up. These are learned things. They, they are coping to keep, they got you to where you are. But now you can transfer the energy and stand on the shoulders and start to build the beautiful future you deserve. And I'm going to hold the faith that as you continue to grow and you continue to evolve and have that courage, you will attract the right people in your life. You will, you will provide the opportunity for the relationship, your children, your family to start to rise up, to rise up into your energy and your expression. You don't have to fall down into that. Have the courage to leave your comfort zone and lead your life. Thank you so much, Renee. We all need a reminder that we can really find the courage to know our identity and our values and stick to them. You are such a good example. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to have you on Bully Buster. Thank you. It's been such an honor. I, I appreciate you, Rhonda. Thank you so much. Wow. What an energetic and enlightening conversation we had on Bully Buster today. My takeaways from Renee are things we can all take on as necessary and courageous changes for our lives. Number one, we can become a Shiro in our lives and our daughter's lives by taking necessary risks and not shrinking from them. We need to be the example of breaking facades. That means not maintaining an appearance on the outside of wonderfulness, all the while concealing a less pleasant reality. I know. And living the truth in a civil way. Number two, don't call people out. It's an excuse to shame. Call people up, reminding them of their greatness to make all things possible. Number three, 
As a parent, you can be driven like a mama bear, but that can be an emotional response to our fears. Instead of confining and rescuing our children, we can instead teach them not to shrink. Let's be an example of civility. Be caring, considerate, and have courtesy in our bravery. Renee Johnson invites us and our children to be a part of the courageous and positive solutions in our culture. Don't forget to go to bullybuster.us, where you'll find our podcast and show notes with links and more information about Renee Johnson, the Power Zone Coach. You'll find great information on our programs and my partnership with Yavapai Big Brothers Big Sisters. Thanks for listening today. I'm Rhonda Orr. Until next time, let's build civility for a new generation. Go to Rhonda's website, bullybuster.us, to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. That's also where you'll find information about having Rhonda speak at your event or school. It's all at bullybuster.us.